Well, hello, I'm Dell Shores. And I'm Emerson Collins, and this is the Dell and Emerson Show. Straight talk. Real gay. Oh, oh I tried something different. I'm not sure it worked. I don't think it did, but you know, sometimes you got to make a wrong choice to find the right choice. <gasps> Happy Friday, everybody. We have a huge show. Drag Race News, Bills, 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 Those Million Moms versus Etsy, Transit Graduation, the Japan Pride House, Kink at Pride Discussion, a Canadian Vandal, a Peeping Pastor, Yearbook Cleavage, and more. Woo! I know it. How's your week been, Del Shores? It's been really busy. I've been very, very, very busy. Very good. I feel like, you know, what's her name on AbFab? I'm multitasking. Just got, 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 got things to do. I got things to uh, do. Like, how many things? Uh, Adina. Is that is it Adina? Yes, it's Adina. Uh-huh. Yes. Okay. Patsy's the other one. I would yes. definitely be the Patsy to your Adina. I, I, I'm typing. I'm typing. I'm talking on the phone. I'm texting. I'm texting. <laughs> So that's how I feel my my week has been. Very Adina. Yes, I know we were just talking before the show. It's back to full time. Life is happening. And we appreciate y'all giving us time and joining us live during the show, whether you're watching on Facebook, on YouTube, or on Periscope. Share the broadcast, weigh in, share your thoughts. If you're listening back later to the podcast on iTunes or Spotify, we're grateful for you too. You know what I did this week? What'd you do? I went back to the gym. Stop it. <laughs> I want to. I want to stop it. Okay, y'all, I went on Tuesday, and I didn't tell you on Tuesday's show, because you know that first day is real easy. You're like, oh, look, I can do this. I have not been in three years, I counted. But that first day is easy, because you hadn't done it. And then I woke up Wednesday, and I felt like I had had shoulder replacement surgery. I couldn't lift my arm. Were you? uh, And I went back yesterday, because, you know, it's that... The second one's the most important because it's the one that like makes it moving forward because if you skip too many days, it's like that first one didn't count at all. Well, I hated it as much as I ever have. My endorphins are still broken. But did, did, did it help those? What are those called? Lactic acid. Did you get rid of the lactic acid? Not that I can tell. Where where do you work out these days? That 24-hour fitness in West Hollywood. I've been going there. I was thinking about this while I was there. I've been going there since I moved to Los Angeles. The problem in my life is I'm only willing to work out when I'm going to be naked in something. Oh, yeah. I, I work out until I get to where I like my body in the mirror, and then I stop for six months, nine months, a year, and then That's I hate it. And then I, yeah, so it's always this parabola, this up and down, because I, I don't. I, all those feelings people get at the end of the gym where they're like, oh, I feel great. I hate it. I don't have endorphins. Mine are broken, but I'm doing it. Um, that's why I like, I like the cardio. And I have to say that like when, when I, I remember when my shoulders started going out and the doctor said, you're not going to be able to lift weights anymore. And I go, Oh my God, thank you for that permission. Thank you so much. Uh, so, well, and someone said, did you work out your legs? I said, no, I've never done that. I'm not going to start now. I have chicken legs and the amount of effort it would take to make my incredibly flat ass be slightly less flat is just not worth the effort. Well, but I'm glad you went back. You know, it's a, you, you always, uh, you, and you'll always have those movie pictures that you do to oh. go back and see what you looked like. There is one photo from when we were, right before we shot Southern Baptist Sissies, Rosemary Alexander took it. I'm standing in the theater and it is my favorite photo ever because my body will never, it looked like that in that moment, never again. The shots we used in the movie weren't even the ones where it looked the best. Uh, and I will save it forever. Is like, look, I one time looked like that. Next time you're going to have to bring it to and put it in the in the just show it to everybody. The the photo that you like of yourself. That one. 
Um, well, because also it's not even what I looked like. Like I was so I was flexing so hard, but everybody came out with their Memorial Day bodies. I'm working on my Labor Day body. Uh huh. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm just still on that, my my uh, whole thirty, and yeah, it's hard. I had I had lunch with Delta Burke yesterday. Just a little name drop there. Oh, that's a good name to drop and pick up. It is. Y'all look on my Instagram. She made a little message. If you haven't seen it already, and. I posted a little flashback Thursday. People love her so much. It's I, I made her, I said, you have to go read all the comments just to give yourself just a boost. And she wrote me back. She said, oh, that made a girl feel good. Uh, but she, so I told, I was explaining to Delta. It's so funny. Delta's so funny, naturally. You know, she's got the best comic timing ever. ever. And I said, um, I, I was telling her about Whole30 and she's going, oh, oh. Uh, you mean you can't have none of that? No, 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 you can't have any. Oh, I couldn't do that. Oh, I couldn't do that. So we're ordering and we've gone on to some other subject that <laughs> she said, she goes, are French fries on that diet of yours? <laughs> I said, no, but go ahead, order them. So she had her some French fries and a turkey sandwich and I had some stupid salad. No, I had, I, I didn't have a stupid salad that I I had eggs and bacon. You can have bacon, which is good. Oh, good. That's like Atkins. But everybody was doing Atkins until the Atkins guy died when it was like, you can eat all the bacon you want all day long. And that just never seemed quite right. It didn't say, you know, I remember Sharon Glass when we were doing Queers Folk. She went on Atkins or one of those diets where it's only, and she, you'd go into her, her, the makeup trailer, and she'd have just a mound of bacon, just eating that bacon. But she uh -huh. did lose a lot of weight. Whatever it takes, whatever works for you. Hey, wait, Rob said something, and I want to say something about it, sort of serious for a second. He said, Emerson, I wish you had your hot body. I hate being fat. Now, I want to just share this. I've talked a lot about it on the show, but I want to say it again right now, because I'm mostly sharing this, y'all, for entertainment value. I'm going back to the gym because we're doing this play in the fall. Um, but lo love your body wherever that it is. You know, in all of my silly Speedo pics, I've talked about a beach body is whatever body you take to the beach. Um, and obviously that's easy for me as a, as a very thin man um, to say. It is definitely genetic and that's just where it comes from. But I want to most always remember and encourage, like whatever you love, love the body you see in the mirror. If there are things you want to work on, great, but don't let it change how you feel about yourself as a person and wherever you're at, do anything you want. I just feel like it's important to say, because obviously I sit at a place where uh, me talking about my woes is silly and I say it for everyone's comedic benefit, but Rob, don't do that. Like, let's not compare ourselves to each other. Love what you have, wear what you want, go to the beach how you like. Just feel like that's important. I like that. Um, I sit here wherever I am in my body and I go, and the rest of us are hungry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, but, and I, I do always want to remember, you know, I don't want anyone to take away from this. Like I'm not really, I'm, I'm sharing silly stuff or your entertainment value, but it, that is the most important piece. Y'all like, we haven't learned anything out of this last while. Life is short. Do what makes you happy. And don't be worried about what other people are worrying about because they're not worrying about you. They're worrying about them. There you go. That's like when you go to a party, you know, and you just fret and fret about what you're wearing. And then you get there and everybody's just looking around, not not looking at what you're wearing, but they're just wondering if they look good enough. So Yes. Everyone is thinking, did I wear the right thing to it? And also, there are a few. There are a few assholes. And let's just not worry about them. The people who act, the few people that really are judging are not the people we want to worry about. There you go.
Good advice. Uh, that's your life coach lesson from Emerson Collins today. Uh, and well, and, and I just think it's important, you know, I think it's fun for us to all share our insecurities, but don't let anybody else's where they are affect your own journey. And I say that to myself as well. It's I'm just as guilty of scrolling to Instagram and seeing some man that spends definitely three hours a day in the gym. Well, I don't want to do that. So I don't look like that. We all okay. make our life. Well, um, all right. Well, you did a podcast, didn't you? I, think I did. Y'all, I did. Blake has a podcast. It's called the Con Artist Podcast that he does uh, with his friend, Allison Robertson. She's a life coach, a motivational person. She's amazing. And he talks about the artist side. And so they had me on their season finale, which oh. I felt very special, which meant I sat in the bedroom and Blake sat in the living room and I talked to them. But here's a quick little clip. <laughs> Uh, of it. And I will be honest, I talked about a lot of stuff from my own actor journey, the insecurity of being a performer that I don't often have an opportunity to share. So here's a quick little clip y'all can enjoy. After my freshman year, I stopped and said, the only way I will pursue this is if I don't give myself any other choices. You know, if there is a thing to fall back on, I will. And so I changed everything, switched to the theater department, started as a freshman, as a sophomore, and said, all right, for better or for worse, I'm going to give this my all so that I know. And if the answer becomes no at some point, at least I will have truly tried. Uh, but I didn't, I couldn't leave myself a safety net because what we do is hard. What we want to do is hard. Oh, that's me talking about being an actress. Uh, if you're listening back later, uh, you can search it, the Con Artist Podcast on anywhere you listen to podcasts. I just put the link on uh, some of the Facebook pages, it looks like it didn't go to Dell's, but you can listen to that wherever you're listening to us. Well, awesome. Well, it looked good. It looked good. I like the graphics and the way it was. I know. They, I said they're much more professional than I am. I know. Well, I said, well, we, I sort of had podcast envy there for a second. Uh -huh. See, um, look, this is free. I just, it's just, this is just us rambling. So you get what you get. So, all right. Well, we got oh. uh, big news, big news. Yeah. Oh, y'all into our, you know, drag is my Disneyland. And yesterday they announced the RuPaul's Drag Race All-Star 6 cast. Look at them. I could not be more excited. It is the most random, delightful group of queens. If you watch Drag Race, it's Akira, Ginger, Serena, Yara Sophia, Jan, Silky Nutmeg Ganache, Raja O'Hara, Eureka O'Hara, uh, Sonique, who's now Kylie Sonique Love, Scarlet Envy, Jiggly Caliente, Tr Trinity K. Bonet, and our good friend Pandora Box. Yes, I'm so I was so excited. We tweeted back and forth a little bit about it. Um, I'm so excited. Pandora was such a huge fan fave from the early season. She was Miss Congeniality, the first big comedy queen, and then she went on All Stars One and got kicked off first when she was uh, in, in a team with Mimi. I'm first, and I'm so excited she gets another shot for the young kids to meet and learn about her. Yes, I, I, I adore her. I adore her. I also love Ginger Minj because we yes. we do Twitter exchanges too. Um, so very talented. I to ask you though, because you, you have all these families as Raja and Eureka are in this, not in the same family, just- They're not. They're from different branches of O'Hara family trees, not related. Uh, uh, Eureka's from the Scarlet O'Hara's and then uh, Raja is from- <laughs> but also not from the Scarlet Envies. You know, it gets all complicated on the tree. And y'all, it's only airing on Paramount Plus. You've got to sign up for streaming and it starts uh, at the end of June on the 24th. And if you didn't watch the early seasons like you didn't, 
uh, the RuPaul's Drag Race YouTube channel has an hour-long video that's basically the highlights of each queen on their season so you can learn about them. And I'm excited because there's no like obvious, obvious this person's gonna run away with the season like we had with Shay and Juju last time. So it's gonna be a free-for-all and I can't wait. And a lot of big queens, a lot of big queens in this group. Yeah, like some really good and a lot. We've got two trans women with Sonique and Jiggly, um, a lot of queens of color. It's a very diverse, fun representation where anything can happen and I can't wait. All right. All right, well, moving on to our bills, bills, bills. As we get to the end of some of these uh, state sessions, I want to catch you up. In Oregon, our by governor, Kate Brown, signed that ban on the gay trans panic defense in Texas. We told you about Senate Bill 29 that that Democrat, Harold Dutton Jr., brought back up. Well, it's dead. They ran out the clock, killed it in session. But Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, who's one of the worst in the country, wants an entire special session in June just to bring it back up, but that hasn't happened yet. In Arkansas, the ACLU has filed a lawsuit against the law there banning gender-affirming care for trans minors on behalf of four trans young people, their families, and two doctors. Their case is that it violates the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment, discrimination on the basis of sex and trans status. So the ACLU is jumping in. And then in Tennessee, with that stupid bathroom sign bill, the Nashville, the district attorney general, Glenn Funk, is refusing to enforce the bathroom sign law. He said, I believe every person is welcome and valued in Nashville. Enforcement of transphobic or homophobic laws is contrary to those values. My office will not promote hate. Nashville Mayor John Cooper got on and said, this law is part of an anti-LGBT political platform of hate and division. So as frustrating as the laws are, it's amazing to see the leaders in Nashville being like, this is some bullshit and we're not gonna do it. Good. But then over in Pennsylvania, where our friend Brian Sims is all regularly, I say friend like I know him, I don't, just who we love. Um, the House Republicans on Monday voted not to remove homosexuality from Pennsylvania's obscenity laws. Every single House Republican voted to kill the amendment. They don't even enforce this. They can't anymore. This was paperwork to get it out of the laws. And all the Republicans said no. Like maybe someday we'll get back around to considering just homosexuality in general obscene. So it's such a reminder that despite our progress, there is still opportunity for us to fall backward and we cannot let up on it. And you always say it's going to be a Southern state. It's going to be a Southern state, but there we, we're seeing that there's some Northern bigotry, you know, yeah. um, East yeah. Coast bigotry. So, yeah. all right, well, we've got a, a, a story about the 1 million moms, which are really 102,987. Less also, than last time they keep. I feel, like, I feel like there's a lot of bots. Like, I feel like they paid for some of those. I noticed that there were, you know, because I own my private account, I know you can tell who's friends, and some of them are just people that are trolling them. <laughs> They're yes. like, like some gay oh, guys like that are me that like it just so they get the notification so they know what's happening. So, well, anyway, they're 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 joining Cadbury and American Girl and eHarmony and General Motors and Netflix and Nickelodeon and Padteen on the one hundred million mom shit list. Guess who's joining all of these people? These people who are pro us? Etsy. Y'all oh, no. Etsy has made their list. It's like, like 
Etsy. Like that's just where you do like needlepoint, get cute little coffee mugs. That oh say it's no, there's some graphic shit on Etsy. The one million, well, the one hundred and two thousand nine hundred eighty-seven moms are mad about. They said no. Oh, it, 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 only one. By the way, they only have one full-time employee, which one. is Monica Cole, and she says that Etsy is no longer a family-friendly website because it allows people to sell graphic nude photos and sex toys, including sex dolls. Now, let's break this down. Etsy has always allowed explicit contents, but on a restricted basis. But Monica, Monica and a million, <laughs> those million moms say uh -huh. it has now become an adult theme store by including everything a fantasy store would, store would sell. The site doesn't ask for age verification before viewing nude photos and very few are pixelated or blurred for discretion. Our concern is that someone may stumble upon the images at any time, but especially in the coming weeks while searching for Father's Day gifts, because you know you go right for the sex toys for daddy. Um, so they are shocked, that they just shocked that it has full nudity pictures, pinups and posters of both heterosexual and homosexual partners engaging in sex as you shop for a gift for your father. Let's just bring that back. So they've started a petition. So there's a petition, y'all. You could sign a petition. I love, first of all, I kind of love that Monica's this one man band doing this because it's kind of like us. People write us and say, well, maybe your assistant or like someone else in your production company. I'm like, it's just us. We got four hands of whatever it is, the accounting, all the, it's just us. It's just Monica over there getting upset about things. But the logic of I'm searching for a set, uh, I'm searching for, you know, I don't know, like a log cabin to feed squirrels for my dad for Father's Day. And I slipped and tripped and fell on a sex doll. It's like you just stumbled on it. Just stumbled onto the sex doll. Also, they're not easy to find. While you were doing that, I went over to the Etsy and I typed in sex doll. Nothing comes up. So I typed in personal use doll. Nothing comes up. You just get a bunch of masks. It is not that easy to find, Monica. So I don't know Monica, Monica has had to dig deep. She's had to dig deep to find this shit. I mean, I, like, I did not just easily find. Now I want to know because Etsy's all like things you make yourself. Who's making at-home sex dolls? <laughs> what are they made of? I mean, I, I, it's like an, an haute couture sex doll. Has to be very expensive. Did you think that she was maybe Googling for some sex toys and then an Etsy store came up and she's like, oh, oh. Uh -huh. Well, it's like those Republicans that know too much about how to meet a homosexual in a bathroom. You know, straight guys don't know that. You know, it's like yeah, Monica. Start talking fluent grinder. It always amazes me. Mm -hmm. Monica, how did you end up on the sex doll section of Etsy? Because I can't find it and I'm trying actively. I bet Erica, if she's here, she can find it. She can I want to know. It. Hey, Erica, I, I haven't seen her, so she's not here. Erica's our personal stenographer, research uh, researcher for the Dell and Emerson show. If somebody's here, somebody go to Etsy and see if you can find anything about sex doll. We've got 40 more minutes. If somebody manages to find one sex doll on Etsy, she's well, I, I have an award to give you, but... Erica's on our team. That's the way they say because people write me sometimes and they go, could we talk to the person on your team who does whatever? And I go, that would be me. 
I know. Uh, I like that people think I'm like, it, it, it's me. I just turn around and put on a different hat and, and a voice. Yes, this is Susan. I handle that part of the Dale Shorts and Emerson Collins Production Association. <laughs> well, Monica, bless. Also, but also, a sex doll is not the worst gift you could give a father for Father's Day. You know, maybe mom's tired. Maybe she'd like a place. Maybe spice she's, like, she's like, I'd like to sit over here and knit for a little while. Would you stop bothering me so much with that erection? Here's this flashlight. Uh-huh. Happy th Father's, Father's Day. Day. <laughs> Here's a friend. <laughs> oh, all right. In uh, moving on into other, like I was doing another show. In, in, in less interesting news. Uh <laughs> <laughs> and, and actually, great, exciting representation news. We have told you about uh, the member of the White House press team, Karine uh, Jean-Pierre. Well, on Wednesday, she led the daily White House press briefing, making her the very first LGBTQ person to do so, and only the second Black woman ever, and the first was decades ago. She was asked in the briefing about the significance, and she said, as she should, I appreciate the historic nature. I really do. But I believe being behind this podium, being in this room, being in this building is not about one person. It's about what we do on behalf of the American people. Clearly, the president believes representation matters, and I appreciate him giving me this opportunity. And it's another reason we're all so proud. This is the most diverse administration in history. She did fantastic, as would be expected, because as we have said, and we all know, representation is not about is about giving equally qualified people the opportunity to ensure that diverse people are representing the American people in the way that America is a diverse nation. Here, so, here. Um, uh, there she is up on the stand. I love her. Same. Love her. So, Excellent. all right. Well, we um, have this uh, interesting story about uh, a trans student graduating. Uh, Soren Tucker, a senior at Allen C. Pope High School in Marietta, Georgia, graduated yesterday. He is also trans, and though he's gone by Soren for years, he was told by the school that he would have to use his legal name, his dead name, on the call list for graduation. And he was told by the school counselor the district requires it because the graduation is a, graduation is a legal event. Uh, his friend Lily Smith, theater co-president, started a petition to stop it, saying we just want him to be able to be recognized for who he is. It has over 21,000 signatures. Soren said, the more I thought about it, I know there will be um, people in the future years, future graduating se seniors who that probably will have to go through something like this as well. And I don't want anybody to have to go through that. The school district uh, stood behind the claim that they were legally required to use Tucker's dead name. But Lily posted on the petition uh, two days ago that the school agreed to use Soren's name after all at the graduation ceremony. So, you know, sometimes you, you yell and you scream and you kick a little bit and it works and it worked. And so next year, Soren will be going to Kennesaw State University within Georgia and majored, majoring in theater performance. I wish you all the best, Soren. Uh, I want so much people like these young people uh, and, and like Lily, the, the the friend, they're changing, changing lives and changing minds. So, yep. And what story. I heard interesting in that story too, though, that it's like as frustrating as that part was, felt like that sounded like there was a huge success, and that at school with teachers, with other students, he had been known as Soren for years now. That it wasn't a big thing 
And so this hang up at graduation was to me also a demonstration of how affirming the environment sounds like it was for him up to this particular hiccup. And so it was like, wait, this is what we've all been doing. It would be weird for everyone if you called him the wrong name on this day. Does that make sense? Like it was like that that was an achievement. And yes, Lily, like I just see them over in the theater department having a great time. And I feel like we all know Lily, that she was like, absolutely not. Yeah. Taking care of this starting petition. And then I just, the news comes, you're going to use his, his, uh, his name. And she, I, I think Lily just, fuck yeah. There was a lot of high five in. Also the idea that like the ceremony itself is some like legal institutional, like it's yeah. not like you raise your hand and swear on something. Congratulations. It's, you graduate. People yeah. were sick and missed my graduations. You still finished. I'm pretty sure that's bullshit. Yes, definitely some bullshit. Like, oh, there to move that tassel and throw your head in the I mean, come on now. We're all in Come on. Well, of course it wasn't, or they wouldn't have been able to do what their defense fell apart. Somebody was just up on some bullshit and thought, well, this is a hassle. But, you know. Monica, Monica made a call. Uh, (laughs) But I did love Marietta, Georgia, that he had no problem with teachers and other students. I mean, I'm sure there were difficulties, but still that the school was affirming uh, any in the right way. That sounded like a win. And they were like, "Oh, oh, oh, okay, yep, we can do this correct, too. I hope the theater department at Kennesaw is a wonderful place for him next year. Me too. Me too. All right. News out of Japan, where the Olympics are still supposed to be held this summer, despite, you know, they've had far more trouble getting COVID under control over there, but it's still happening. Um, And earlier, they opened Pride House in uh, Japan, the first, like, official concrete uh, LGBT building and institution uh, in Japan in support of the Olympics. Uh, you can see it right there. But some disappointing news. In April, the majority Liberal Democratic Party in Japan, now not to be confused, it's sort of like England, the Liberal Democratic Party in Japan is actually the Conservative Party. Right. Um, they pledged to pass a bill supporting the LGBT community before June. It was big about the upcoming Olympics. Uh, But now, in closed-door negotiations, the LDB politicians said the effort to end legalized discrimination had gone too far, would harm the country more than progress it, and they made a bunch of other disparaging comments that have come out. So instead of an Equality Act, which is what the actually Liberal Party wanted to pass, they wanted to pass some nebulous bullshit to encourage the government to, quote, promote understanding of gay and trans people as a compromise. I don't need to be understood. We need it to be treated equally. I don't care if you understand. Mm. Uh, Pride House Tokyo has called for a retraction of the statements and said, these comments, if true, are in violation of the spirit of the Olympics and Paralympics, which Tokyo is hoping to host. Their director, John Matsunaka, added, how can athletes truly feel safe playing in a country where a member of the ruling party makes such discriminatory remarks? Obviously not just the athletes, the LGBTQ Japanese people. Same-sex marriage um, was outlawed until this past March. We talked about that when the Japanese courts deemed the law banning it unconstitutional. Now, that did not immediately make it legal. They need to pass a law to formally recognize it. So the community there really using the upcoming uh, Olympics to draw attention to their issues, which is really smart, while international pressure is being weighed on. 
Uh, and it reminded me a lot of what we, how much we went through with Sochi, right? With Russia and the anti-LGBTQ propaganda laws and all of the information and LGBTQ athletes being in Sochi during those Olympics. Yes. So really smart of their community and I hope that they can achieve this. Uh, but Pride House is doing great stuff and really weighing in beyond the Olympics. And I think that's really exciting for their community there. Because I'm so excited. I love the Olympics. Oh, I do too. I do too. I mean, weirdly, I think I like the winter more than the summer because I was definitely a little boy watching ice skating and trying to do triple sow cows and like camel spins and shit off the couch when I was like eight years old watching the Winter Olympics. Me too. The Winter Olympics for me, but I do like the swimming. I do oh. like the swimming, I have to say. It's funny because I like I the love, female swimming as much as the male swimming. Obviously, same. You know, my 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 speedo problem that I have that you have all seen my Instagram nonsense starts from being on the neighborhood swim team and the crush I had on Coach Mike, who was probably a college student when I was like eleven. It goes all the way back. Those diver boys and those diver bodies. Now, I did get sad when the swimmers went to those like biker shorts and when they started wearing those full body suits. I was like, no. Speedos. Stop it. Just stop that. Stop that nonsense. That's going to, it's like, yes, the I do too, Rob. The wrestling outfits. I was just thinking about those. Wrestling outfits are good. I just wanted to say when they changed all that, started changing out, that's going to slow you down. That's going to slow you down. Well, they started wearing the full body ones because it gets like 0.1 seconds faster. And of course, at that elite level, it really matters. But I was like, no, stop. I'm not here for the part that happens in the pool. I'm here for the part where you walk up to the block. And then when you get out afterwards, I'm not as invested, honestly, in who wins those races. I'm just going to be real honest about it. I'm here for the costumes and gymnasts, the gymnastics. And the opening ceremony and the closing ceremony. The shows. I'm here for the shows. And the costumes. It's like the Super Bowl. I'm just here for halftime. <laughs> Correct. I don't, that is all I really care about. Uh, but I do. I'm really excited. I look forward to it. I'm, it'll be interesting to see because I think they're not having audiences, how that impacts the like performance, you know, because for the athletes, having a big full stadium for the finals is a, a really big part of it. I told you, I went to a few Olymp- when it was in Los Angeles. I My mom came out and we went to the volleyball game and a couple, a couple of other things. I think we, I, I can't remember, but we, we went. It's not even my story to tell, but I believe Blake's mom was pregnant with Blake and like dancing in the LA Olympics. Oh, wow. Like he was, so he performed at the Olympics is the way I thought. It all tracks back. It does. <laughs> <laughs> we all, we've reached the halfway house of the show. And if you enjoy the news and nonsense that we bring to you and want to contribute financially, to our lifestyle, to my speedo habit, to Dell's, you know, cocktails and things now that we can have them again. Not until I'm off a whole 30. Oh, that's right. We'll save up. Yeah. Uh, you can send us a tip if you want and choose on Venmo to at Emerson Collins or on PayPal to Beard Collins Shores Productions at gmail.com. Xana already contributed more for the show, but we want to say, and Bob Bielenberg and Jigs already. Uh, but a huge, huge thank you to one of our angel contributors, John E. Hartman, sends us checks in the mail. And it's so exciting. I haven't gotten a check in the mail in a month of Sundays. Uh, but truly, John, a huge thank you for the incredibly significant support that you give it's us. Crazy. We really do appreciate it. And I love that there's always a 3209 somewhere in there. It's, it makes me happy. So it's fun, y'all. We had to do a little math to figure it out. It was very secret. 
Uh, and John, it's really much appreciated. But to everyone, y'all, the little ones, the big ones, it all adds up. It is all meaningful. And it's why we've always kept the show free. Also, the show is free because then if we are a little messy through it, we, it doesn't matter. Because Yeah, we could say, well, we didn't pay. That's they right. <laughs> and we do. And from those who are listening back to the podcast later, thank you. When we get the random tips in through the week, it's like a little surprise in our day. Oh, yeah. That's always fun. Well, we have a just a, a piss poor story. Uh, with oh, <laughs> this, this story. Uh, William Page is a preacher at Church of God in Morgantown, West Virginia. Well, a month ago, authorities were called to the church after members found a smartphone had been placed upon a ledge above a urinal. Woo! Police have confirmed the phone belonged to the pastor and found videos of two males using the restroom, as well as short uh, videos of Paige setting up the device. Like, I don't know, he's just a stupid pastor. He has been charged with a misdemeanor invasion of privacy now i want to just you know it's a i guess it's a fetish some people i i don't know i was the yesterday i was driving around uh down over here by that little shortcut and there was a guy to think it through he was taking a leak on the side of the building i did not get aroused i saw his dick uh and his stream of pee i did not get aroused well, now look, water sports, if that's your thing, live your life, go on your journey. But I'm more interested in the thought process behind how Pastor Page, peeping Tom, peeping Pastor Page, how he got to this thought. Like, was it just laying out there like someone, oops, I left my cell phone, like propped up on an angle and he just thought no one's going to notice? Like, did he not even think to cover it? I don't know, with like a shoebox with a hole cut out or something? Like, Pastor Page. But, but, and did he just... Like, did he just keep it on and just hope that people would come in? I mean, was, right. it, just, was it like an hour long video and he was just hoping and a praying for a peep of a penis? Like, uh, sir. And then also that there were two videos of him trying it out. I want to know, was that like in the, in the video of him, not the people whose personal space he violated in an extremely horrifying way. But did he like set it up and then did he like unzip and whip it out to see like, I because I, I imagine it, it looking like this, you know, like. He was doing a test, and so the video ends, and he's like, and then he just left the practice videos up, like, great. Seems like it'll work, and we'll check it later. I'll never get caught. And then I, I now, you know, because I always go to, you know, the scenes, and and like as you do, as you go, uh -huh. you, the, the, the couple that walked away after I had shit uh -huh. all over me, you made up dialogue. Well, I'm just thinking about the sheriff and the deputy watching. He go, oh, oh, well, there's Brother Hawkins. He's, he's, he's got, well, he's blessed. Brother Hawkins is blessed. <laughs> but Pastor Page has got a thumb dick. Uh, the commentary that's like, about, I mean, clearly it's like horrified, but it's like Pastor Page peeping. I just don't think he thought that shit through. Like that's the cell phone laying out in the open. <laughs> and as Danielle pointed out, these are the same people who try to scare you about trans people in the bathrooms. Yes, as if trans people just want to use the bathroom and get out. Meanwhile, you got Pastor Peepin' Page over here hoping to get a piss video out of it. Oh, my God. I have to say thank you, uh, Danielle. Danielle had the funniest tweet to Caitlin telling her to do something else and gave her a variety of, thi a variety of things that she a could do better. Yes. 
<laughs> just stay out of politics. Go knit, knit a blanket or something. Yeah, like, yes, take up knitting. Just go back to playing golf, ma'am. Like, that's, get out. Um. All right, in this next one, I don't know, you may or may not have seen this meme. It's popped up for me so many times and it always makes me laugh. Whenever people are talking about, oh, I can't relate to the rest of the gay community or like, oop, I accidentally uh, wandered into a scene I wasn't expected. Here is the meme. Uh, and <laughs> it came up recently with people talking about Olivia Rodrigo with her new fans, you know, young Olivia and all the gays being obsessed with her, like me, how much I'm enjoying the music. Well, the woman in this photo has revealed herself. She is a San Francisco-based attorney. For those of you listening, it's this lovely woman, short, standing surrounded by a bunch of gay men, hugging and leather harnesses. And she explained that... <laughs> She said, I'm in this photo and I don't like it. Just kidding. I mean, that actually is me in the photo, but I like it every time. She went to Folsom in 2017 and her friend took this photo because it was hilarious. She put it on her personal Instagram. People took it and shared it everywhere. She said, one of my main groups of friends in San Francisco is a group of gay men. So I've often found myself in situations where I'm the one woman amid all these gay men. I'm also 5'1 and they're all very tall and muscular. So I was just clearly standing out. But now, she's had friends from high school recognize her, even her lawyer colleague, she is a very serious attorney, had seen it. So she announced to the internet, that is me, proudly, hilariously, and I enjoyed it very much. I love it. Um, and it leads me into, uh, for those of us, I spend entirely too much time online, and there's been a very big discussion this week that happens every year around this time. Every year we get into the what's appropriate at Pride conversation. Now, there's very disingenuous conservatives in the conversation and don't bother with them. They're gaslighting, they don't care, they just wanna judge us. But I've also seen this year some very young LGBTQ people make some arguments and I wanna share them with you all. And then let's just discuss it for a little bit because I think it's important in the same way that older gay men taught me about our history that we share more than dismiss their arguments, because it started from this very general, no kink at pride. You know, we shouldn't have kink at pride. It should be a welcoming space for LGBTQ kids, new trans kids, young queer kids, um, for asexual people who don't want to see all of that at pride. And they're sort of talking about this. People in this on the left, gimp suits, which is a full body leather sort of BDSM oriented suit. And like guys in puppy hoods, uh, and harnesses. Uh, so that was sort of the main theme of what they were talking about. And they said, they have said some several versions of, they did not consent to see other people's kink in public, saying it's inaccessible for asexual people, for sex repulsed people, young people, talking about grooming in the community, um, and uh, tied up some to blaming white gays for quote, over-sexualizing pride, now, other people have pushed back really hard on the history of pride and kink has always been there. Leather daddies have always been there. Um, when people sign out, these sexual aspects have always been a big part. And then they sort of come back with this version of, it's weird that you want to say you want to fuck in front of kids or calling them pedo creams. So they've been called puritines by some, tender queers by others. But I feel like it's important for us to not dismiss them. They're young people. You know, I think we should engage with them and talk about the history and why the sexual stuff is a big part of it. Does anyone have thoughts you want to share? 
Do you have thoughts? I obviously have lots, but I don't need to preach yet. Well, I have always enjoyed the diversity of pride, all and and all 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 types, all kinds, and uh, being a dad. I did not take my daughters to Pride until they were teenagers. And I felt like that they could understand. And I've always felt like that, you know, it's a, it's much easier for me to explain sexuality than violence and the justification of violence. So uh, I'm sort of, I'm sort of a traditionalist in the way that Pride should have the traditions that, that, that brought us Pride. And uh, the young people should go, okay, I've got to, I need to honor that. And um, it's interesting. I, I thought sort of deeply, you know, because I watched a lot of people say, and also they, that some of the young kids have been pretty aggressive in like saying, oh, you're just old white gays who want to be able to like fuck somebody behind a dumpster. And I was thinking about why it's important. You know, in the development, there's two things that we've worked on through the course of the movements, right? And the earliest stuff was really about how literally the sex that we had was illegal. You know, anti-sodomy laws is what we were fighting long before we got to like validating marriage equality. The trans issues were a little more nebulous because it wasn't necessarily that wearing other clothes was illegal, but the sort of three articles rule that was unwritten in New York, you know, we were first fighting illegal and it was the sex that was illegal, not the culture, not the community, the sex. And that's why so much of the sexual aspects were put at the front um, and I think there's something in teaching young people that but this bent towards conservatism actually sounds like the conservative white Republican gays who said, put the drag queens at the back, put the dykes on bikes at the back, put the leather daddies at the back, put the trans people at the back, put the, you know, white gay with their sweater sets and their happy, normal suburban looking family at the front. And there has an element of pride that's always like, we don't hide our our freaks, we put them out front. And a reminder that wearing the clothes of a kink, wearing a suit is not the same as engaging in the sex act. You know, there's a difference between this thing has a sexual component in the sexual act that is not a part of wearing the costume. And just because you're uncomfortable isn't the same thing as that being violating your consent. That's not what consent means. It's not what it's actually about. And it dilutes the meaning of consent when you tie that into being made uncomfortable. You know? Yeah. And I have not, I think I've seen, I don't think I, I mean, you know, I've been to a lot of prides, but I don't remember. Maybe I've seen a blowjob. I don't know. I don't know. Well, and I do think it's okay, right, to talk about, there are those lines that get crossed sometimes that are less common than the outfit. You know, like that should, like your sex acts in the daylight, in public are illegal. Like that's illegal, don't do that. Right. Like, don't break the law. But when they say things like, I don't wanna see your ass or I don't wanna see your boobs. For me, it also goes to that sort of Judeo-Christian puritanical, like bodies should be hidden. Yeah, there, yeah. But I also found that maybe there's an element of progress in this because uh, I've thought about this a lot. I left us a lot of time to talk about this today. If you saw, it was a big segment. Um, 
For so many of us, our sexual stuff is what led us to the community because we didn't see ourselves in the culture. We didn't know anyone else that was having the feelings we were having. So it wasn't until our sexual development was so undeniable that we couldn't ignore it anymore that we went and found our community. You know, so it was sort of sex first. And these kids are benefiting from being able to be out before puberty, you know, as young, really young people. And so we may also be witnessing an element of being uncomfortable with their own sexual development, you know, at the ages where like, it's weird to talk about that. I don't want to think about my parents having sex. I don't want to see old quote, and now I'm old in the community, being sexual, that is progress that we should be patient with as we explain some of these things to them. Yes, it may itself out. It just may sort itself out. Yeah, I mean, and, I, and, I, and because the other thing is we want them there, we want them uh, comfortable, we want them to be a part of it, but not judging other people for your own comfort level is a big part of what we're advocating and what we've been advocating to the wider culture. Like we're not here for your approval. We're also not here for each other's freedom. And I, you know, and not to, this is a little bit different, but here in LA at the, at the big, you know, whatever it is, the park where every, all the booths are, there is a, a booth, not a booth, but a, a tent basically where yeah. you have to be 18 to get into. And they do have some demonstrations of fisting and that kind of thing. But yes. it's very uh, much uh, guarded in a yes. way by age and IDs. Yes. So I don't have a problem with that. But in, and that that is distinctly different than like seeing the big lesbian that I always love with like the duct tape X's, you know, or seeing somebody in this, some old guy in assless chaps who couldn't, you know, be in a parade when he was young. I do love those things and helping them understand uh, that there are youth parades. Most big prides also have youth specifically focused events. Um, so. all right. I, well, and let me get into some of y'all's comments. I, I obviously I left room because I wanted to monologue, but I want we want them to be welcome. I want them to be there and learn a little bit about how we make room for each other. Uh, John said, I don't wear leather to parades, but I like seeing that. <laughs> Ken said, I think the main parade should be rather PG ish, no place for too much sex of any type. And again, I'll say there's a difference between dressing in things that could be used sexually and being sexual while you're in them. Uh, Zana, we, we can't censor what people wear to pride. John, I don't, I want my butch bikers and my drag queens. Um, Doug said, <laughs> it's a spectrum and all parts of it should be included. Don't like it, don't look. And there is an element of like, hey, you don't have to be a part. But yeah, seeing yeah. something you're uncomfortable with is not the same thing. As Emerson, I have had those friends who goes, oh, it's just too much for me. Pride's just too much. And I go, well, good, don't go. Don't yep, go. Or go to the festival or, you know, or broaden your horizons a little bit and say, hey, that's not for me, but I don't, they're not making me be a part of it with them. You don't have to march down through the parade uh, with, with that group. John Martin, all sex should be okay. Zana, yes, the Mattachine Society. Steve said, it's all part of the history of pride. And we can honor the history and also make sure we welcome new people into it. Yeah. Uh, and Kitty said, so sorry, straight people fucking their car. I knew this couple fucking in a patient's room before the woman was going to get a pap smear. And, but truly, and it is important, you should not be breaking the law. Anything that would be normally against the law 
don't do it. But y'all, men can wear Speedos at the beach, and you don't see much more than that. Wait, years ago, years ago, right there on Las Palmas, right where that 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 little uh, burger place is by the car wash, I was sitting across the street um, and at a table, and there was a straight couple fucking on a table, and the guy I was with goes, "Oh no, oh no." Yeah. Uh huh. That's too much. And Judy said, I'm fine with it all. I just don't like when some simulate sex. And there it is, you know, but I think it's important if the argument you're making starts to sound like the argument that conservatives made to keep us in the closet, to keep us hidden or to keep from giving us rights because of the costume somebody wears. We are advocating for equality. We are, we are not interested in acceptability. All right. So, well, thank y'all for that good discussion. All right, uh, Seth Bertrand, a Canadian neo-Nazi, was arrested and charged in April for repeatedly scrawling swastikas and racial and homophobic slurs on the Windsor Essex uh, Transgender and Allied Support Office building, and he broke a window. It turns out at the same time he was terrorizing a gay family with two small kids. So his this harassment from this Seth was so severe, the couple's friends set up a 24-hour surveillance of their home, and they sent their children to stay with relatives. He's now accused of slashing tires on their car, smashing and ripping off mirrors, throwing them at the house, and carving fuck fags on one and leaving notes signed, Heil Hitler. Uh, whew. People say he approached the house, rang the doorbell, and pretended to be con a concerned neighbor. He said, he asked to see the video footage that they had to ensure he hadn't been seen. One of the dads said, it's been scary. And the fact that he was here and talking with my children, it makes us feel incredibly anxious. So he was identified from this footage and he arrested and charged. So good. That last part, you know, we've, I share with you a decent number of vandalism stories for how people deal with their neighbors, with and I've sort of become numb to the like somebody stole a pride flag or, you know, wrote something on a thing that it are, can be very violating, obviously, for the person. But the idea that then he was worried and came into their house to ask about the footage. I mean, the escalation of that. I don't know. It hit me far more terrifying than any of that version of that. Yes, and, and talking to their kids. And that he like became fixated on this couple, you know, like did a whole trans center and then be became obsessed with this. Thing. It's just a reminder that, you know, as we try to live our lives and living in communities, that they became targets. Um, and grateful for the neighbors who it sounded like Absolutely. Uh, were supportive. But cheesy peas. Um, all right. Up next, in our continuing Rainbow Capitalism Pride Watch, I want to share with you a truly, truly exciting one from how a corporation, you know, can truly, truly be an ally to the community. Nordstrom. This year has teamed up with Trans Lifeline that we've talked about, the Run by Trans People for Trans People uh, hotline, and the Digital Queer Healthcare Service Folks, FOLX, to fund hormone replacement therapy for trans people as part of their Pride Month initiative. Specific, two organizations. These micro grants will pay 100% of costs for a year or 50% for two years. Nordstrom has pledged $100,000 for the program. 75% reserved for black and indigenous people and people of color. They will also donate a percentage of sales 
from their B Pride gender inclusive clothing collection to Trans Lifeline. The company will donate a total of 350,000 across their initiatives this year. They said, this is important. The lead designer for this collection is queer. And we engage different members of the community to provide insight on what they see as missing from the current apparel landscape. Do you hear the difference between that and just slapping a rainbow on something and asking us for money? The designer was queer. They asked our community what we needed. They're targeting specific micro grants with Trans Lifeline and folks. Bree Barnett at Trans Lifeline said, this historic gift will be instrumental in helping us answer over 25,000 calls this year and will also provide 100 people with a year of life-saving medical care. So when you want to talk about like merchandise you can buy that is really supporting our community, Nordstrom's Be Pride line at Nordstrom.com is an amazing thing. Um, and if you're interested in specifically the grants, open June 1st at folkshealth.com, F-O-L-X health.com. So that is a great example of working with our community, for our community, targeting specific needs of our community for pride. And listening, listening to our community. And involving us in the decision of how it benefits us. So I really love that great story. There. Love that story. I'm going to go to Nordstrom's. Going to go out and shop at Nordstrom's. Uh, well, uh, Baltram uh, Trail High School in St. John's, Florida, has a dress code that states that girls' tops must cover the entire shoulder and they must be modest and not revealing or distracting. So the school's website had a disclaimer saying that if the students' yearbooks' portraits did not match the dress code, they may be digitally altered. All right, y'all okay, get ready because you're going to get to see some pictures. Uh, so this uh, yearbook coordinator this year made the decision to edit some of the photos based on her assessment that females were not in dress code. When the, year, <laughs> when the yearbooks came out, 80 girls opened the yearbook to find their edited photos. We're going to show you some of them. Uh, freshman Riley O'Keefe had a black bar added to cover more of her breast. And here are some others. Y'all take a look. Okay, y'all. This yearbook coordinator, 80 girls she did this to. And whatever you're imagining about Photoshop is my passion, it is worse. Okay, y'all, this is her photo on the left, and there is nothing, that is just a girl, and they just put a straight black line. That one's the least offensive one. This next one, she has on a plaid shirt, and y'all, look, they literally just cut and paste the plaid, just copied it from like her shoulder, flipped it on its side, and laid it across her back. And not even in the right plaid. <laughs> y'all, it's like, the lines don't match. It is just, I mean, it is literally like Photoshop is my passion. That meme, this yearbook coordinator. And also this yearbook coordinator is a woman who did this to this girls. They did not tell them. They did not get an opportunity to submit another one. And please look at this other group. Okay, again, the black one, but look at her. Lovely, tasteful. She looks great. Just a straight black line. But then this coordinator, they did not say her name and it's for the best. This girl is in a lovely V-neck. Look at how happy she looks. And the <laughs> job cut and paste. Like she tried to make it like it was a V collar and it runs right into her shoulder. I mean, this is just. And it's not, the, the, the other one, there's just, I mean, if that's cleavage, that's not, I mean, that's so stupid. It, 
I, it's amazing. She didn't like if she didn't like their hairstyles. She didn't, you know, color it something different. Or, oh my God, it's so offensive. And like, but and and so okay, it's hysterical. But also separately, the trauma on these girls. Like, it is your yearbook. You are so excited, and then the sort of weird, uncomfortable shame you would feel about someone having made this unilateral decision that there is something offensive about the way you presented your body. Like you said, this is the outfit I want to wear. This is the photo I know is going to live forever. And they said that is inappropriate. Like it's that double sexist standard about like the way girls dress in dress codes. Yeah. And they did say it's that led to a big conversation about their dress code because so many dress codes are sexist. Like girls having breasts are responsible for male boys behavior. And the self-conscious way they make, particularly adolescent girls, feel about their bodies by telling them these things is something we've got to continue to undo. Yeah. And uh, they, now, now the, the, the news is that the school is offering full refunds to parents who contact them for this yearbook. But I wouldn't want to get a refund because I honestly think that this is going to be a badge of honor that you can show to your children and your grandchildren and said, this is what they did to me my senior year. And also like at least there's 80. So there's enough of them that they could band together. If there was just one or two girls and you're the ones this was done to how traumatic that could be. But I'm sure there's a, uh, they did say though, uh, if you had written too much in the yearbook, you could not get a full price refund. Basically they were like, cause we can't resell it. Bam. If you did a hatchet job Photoshop on somebody's yearbook, whatever they did to it, you give them their money back. Well, you know, I've never told you this, but I have to show you sometime when you're over here. When I was a senior, the 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 person who was in charge of the and the the yearbook uh -huh. somehow just up and ran and was she was fired. I believe she was fired because she had an affair with a student. So she just up and ran with all of the elements to put in the yearbook. So they had to scramble and create this horrible, horrible yearbook. Oh my and God. when we got it about, you know, when I was about a sophomore in high in college, we're with the Hawks and it even had a, it had a Cardinal on the cover and they had, they had put a paste it. They had pasted a Hawk over the Cardinal. So uh, uh, wait, uh, like a sticker add on. Yeah. A sticker add on. So that was my senior yearbook is awful, awful. I mean, that is kind of amazing, though. That's a good story. So they had all of the reject, all the reject pictures were in the yearbook. Yeah. Because uh, she took all the good ones with her. As Ken pointed out, they should have been allowed retakes. Like, yes, the dress codes is the dress code, but you should have told them and been like, no, submit something else. So, yes. Well, um, well y'all, here we are on this Friday before what's a holiday weekend. I don't know about y'all, but it feels like this weekend is the first, everyone's feeling they're like, we're vaccinated, we're doing things. Does everyone have weekend plans? Are you like doing it, gathering, going to the lake? Are you staying home, vegging on the couch, full three days off? What are you doing, Del Shores? You have big plans? I don't have that big opinion. You know, I always have my Friday staying in with Mr. Matt Hayes, and we're going to yes. have Matt on the show on Tuesday. Yes, Matt's going to be our special guest on Tuesday. We have a podcast. He has a podcast called Fagnostic that both Emerson and I did about, you know, us, us gays dealing with spirituality and religion. And uh, and then I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go see my friend Beverly tomorrow. And uh, eh, that's about it. Nothing, nothing major. Well, good. I know y'all, honestly, 
we've been waiting to have Matt on the podcast forever because we know you know him and love him. And I, part of it is I don't have to do as much work over the holiday weekend to find stories if Matt's going to be like half the show. Ken yeah, said, we're excited to have him. Uh, Ken said, this town is going nuts. The beach area is packed. Leanna's painting. Patrick said, the same thing I do every night, try to take over the world. Michael's going to the National Cemetery, then off to CrossFit. I am not working out on the holidays. And John said, I'm going to the opening of a family house as a museum. Well, that is certainly something. Crazy. That's just crazy. Um, well, however you spend it, truly, whether you're staying in or whether you're going and enjoying people, enjoy the holiday weekend. It feels like the first one we can really treat that way since the beginning of lockdown. I hope it's wonderful, whatever you choose to do. Once more, if you enjoy what we do and want to send a tip, a holiday tip, uh, Venmo at Emerson Collins or on PayPal to Beard Collins Shores Productions at gmail.com. Kitty said she sent it to Dell Shores Productions um, already. Oh, well, I will share it. Thank you, uh, though, Kitty. No, I'm not going to tell him. I'm not going to tell Why'd you tell him, Kitty? <laughs> and however you spend it, have a wonderful weekend, and we will be back on Tuesday. All right. Bye-bye, y'all. Have a great weekend. Bye, everybody.